This is NBA Storytime. I'm Jamel Johnson. Today we're going to talk about a man whose actual nickname was Poor Roy Rubin, which obviously means his life went well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's in a nickname? They give these ball players a very peculiar name. Give me a funny name. What if your nickname sucked? Who are you? Goofy. 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 We all know you're not allowed to choose your nickname. But at what point should you be allowed to apply for a new one? Why? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask. Roy Rubin was born on December 9th, 1925 in the Bronx. A white guy from the Bronx. Pretty rare now. Also a Sagittarius. So he's probably crazy. He played guard at the University of Louisville in 1950 under a guy named Peck Hickman. Peck Hickman is best known for teaching the game of basketball and the game of life. So there's some precedent being set with the names here. After Louisville, Ruben is hired to coach Christopher Columbus High School in the Bronx as well, which is a chill name because the school was founded by Christopher Columbus. So like, what can you do? Fun fact, Columbus is in the bad place because of all the raping, slave trade, and genocide. He's incredibly successful there. The Blue Steel, which is their mascot because that's what Christopher Columbus' ships were made of, wins six borough championships in nine seasons under Ruben. In 1961, he moves on to Long Island University. At this point, the man is making his way through the metropolitan area like the Boar's Head Meat Company. He's unstoppable. He very quickly becomes known as a defensive-minded coach there. The New York Times will later say Ruben revitalized LIU basketball. By the time he leaves 11 years later, he'd amassed a 174-94 and 94 record and a stellar reputation. Well, except it's also apparently an open secret that he kept one of his point guards, Barry Leibowitz, from going to the league early by hiring a sex worker for him before every game? In Roy's defense, somebody could have told Barry their sex workers outside of Long Island too. Oh, wait, they got sex workers in Brooklyn? You're kidding me. Upon leaving in 1972, Ruben is recommended to fill the Philadelphia 76ers head coaching vacancy. Hold on, let me back it up a little bit. While Ruben is finding success at the amateur level in New York, the Sixers are falling apart. Then Philadelphia basketball fortunes went from top to bottom. Five years before, the Sixers are picking up titles. And in 1967, the World Championship resided in Philadelphia. It wore such names as Chamberlain, Greer, Walker, and Cunningham. Now that team was long gone. Well, Chamberlain was off to Los Angeles by the time the 1969 season rolled around, which does seem intentional. Archie Clark was traded, Chet Walker was traded too, and Hall of Famer Billy Cunningham left for the ABA. The draft isn't working out for the Sixers either. Billy had nine draft picks in 1972. Only one of them, a guard from Oregon State named Freddie Boyd, ever played a minute in the NBA. It gets so bad that Jack Ramsey, the head coach and general manager, is like, fuck it before the start of the 1970 season and quits to open a medical practice. Now, no one wants to coach the Sixers. They're rejected by all the big name coaches. They're rejected by all the pretty okay coaches. If Kurt Rambis was around at that time, he would have left his job alone too. 
Eventually, owner Irv Kozlov runs an ad in the classifieds of all the major Philly newspapers, the Inquirer, the Tribune, even the South Philly Review. The headline says, Philadelphia 76ers coach wanted. For those wondering, the South Philly Review is just a kid on a dirt bike. A man named Jules Love sees the ad. No relation to Yes Jules, for those wondering. And everyone knows Love was an assistant under Ruben in Brazil at the 1966 Pan American Maccabee Games for Jewish athletes. We all knew that. He knows the Sixers' new GM, Don Desjardins, and recommends Ruben for the job without even asking him if he's down. Low-key, I also like being recommended for dumpster fire jobs where I'm set up to fail, though. It's honestly my love language. That's not a bit either. I worked at a rest stop recently. Desjardins is shocked that someone wants the job. You mean the guy who coached at the 1966 Pan American Maccabee Games for Jewish athletes is interested in us? He offers Ruben a $300,000 contract over three years. For context, the highest paid player at the time was Bill Bradley, who was making $325,000. A pass to Bradley, jump shot, left side, But nobody knows this guy. At the press conference, Kozlov, the owner, introduces Ruben by saying, he isn't exactly a household name. He's no Al McGuire, or any McGuire for that matter. Al was one of the coaches that turned down the Sixers, if you couldn't tell. Ruben also seems to know this is a bad idea. Who knows, he says. Maybe two weeks after the season starts, I'll feel like killing myself. So things were going just as the process intended. That's 100% what you want to hear from your new coach. I'm pretty sure that's what Doc Rivers said in his press conference too. Guess what? The season starts pretty horribly. Philly opens 0-15. So bad that local papers stop sending reporters to cover it. He has the worst defense in the league. And remember, this guy was known for his defense. He didn't know anything about matchups ahead of games. In an attempt to rediscover his identity as a high school basketball hard-ass, Ruben started tightening the screws on the team. You weren't allowed to dunk in a game where you'd be benched. You had to dress up for every game. Plus, you couldn't smoke or drink in the locker room. Keep in mind, this is the 70s. Nicotine and booze was like vitamins to them. Someone always had some grass, and there was always plenty of beer. Just something different from the real drag parties mom and dad wanted me to go to. Needless to say, it became a really hostile environment. John Trapp, a forward who'd been traded from the Lakers in the middle of the season, would tell a friend to bring a gun to every game, so every time Ruben took him out, he'd have his boy threaten to shoot him. <sighs> and the league had the nerve to get mad at Gilbert Arenas. You crying inside? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'll wait to see what the DA says. That's more of Florida Youth Football League energy than anything, but still feels process adjacent. The players began avoiding Ruben at all costs. They would all pile in one van and make Roy's poor ass ride alone in a separate one. Imagine hating your boss so much, you'd rather sit on another grown-up's lap than be near them. Remember, you're 6'8 in this scenario. One center named Dale Schluter said that Ruben would say stuff like, Way to go, guys! Followed by, okay, how much time is left until the next half? When the Sixers finally got a dub, Ruben had to call the paper himself to make sure somebody knew they won. By this time, you'll remember most papers had stopped sending their writers. I'd like to commend Roy for being the team's press and the coach. I'm not eligible for a Peabody Award, so who's really the loser? After 51 games, Ruben is fired. 
He lost 40 pounds and could barely muster the energy to get to the games by the end. Kevin Lowry takes over, but can't do much better. The Sixers end the season 9-73, the worst ever record through a full 82-game season. Like any true New Yorker coming off a major L, Ruben moves to Miami almost immediately and just starts doing a bunch of random shit. He opens an IHOP. He works as a stockbroker. He gets into social work, which does concern me. He invests in a Broadway play called Tough to Get Help that closes after one performance. But the play cost me only $60,000 to produce. And how long did it run? One night. You see? You could have raised a million dollars, put on a $60,000 flop, and kept the rest. Then he goes back to his roots and opens a summer basketball camp called Five Star Camp. You might have heard of it. Five Star on the outskirts of Pittsburgh. This camp still exists today and has introduced the world to some of the greatest players in league history, including Isaiah Thomas, Dominique Wilkins, Patrick Ewing, and Michael Jordan, just to name a few. Of course, none of that fly shit happened until Ruben removed his name from the camp, but still. After mercifully being let go by the Sixers, Ruben said, I never promised I would be God's gift to basketball in Philadelphia. I made it clear to the owner that I was moving into a situation where the hope for this season would be zero. At least in that way, he did the job he promised to do and earned a nickname in the process, which is an accomplishment. Every coach doesn't get one. His just happened to be the saddest ever. for listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and stretch three on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer, and a man heavily invested in rec specs. Daniel Hardigan is our script editor and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. Kevin Shepard is our production coordinator and the only one who makes sure we all get on the team bus on time. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers, and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time.